Hello there, Rammies. Welcome back to another episode of Right Answers Mostly, a podcast on what you didn't learn in history class, but wanted to. I'm Claire Donald. And I'm Tess Palomo. Good to see you again. Happy Monday or whatever day you might be participating in this podcast. Truly. How's it going, Tess? How are you feeling? I feel good. We're recording on a Friday, which is exciting. We haven't done that for a while. I know. It always feels good. And so it feels like very hopeful. We have a fun weekend ahead. We do. I'm in a great mood. Summer. Thank God. We are two summer girls, I would say. We really are. But you know the June gloom. In LA is always tough. It is tough. So right now it's still, it's not, it's not what I want it to be. No, especially Westsiders. If you don't know, LA, Westside is close to the beach and that. Very foggy, very overcast until honestly end of July. Yeah, it's really tough. <laughs> but still happy to be here. That's still right. thankful to have the opportunity. That's right. We are drinking whiskey on the rocks. Oh, oh, I said it sounds like rain on a tin roof. I've never loved ASMR more than this whiskey. Me too. Right? All right. Okay. Take a sip, Tess. Whoa, whoa. First cut is the deepest. Wow. Here we go. Here we go. Just a little house cleaning notes. Mm. Guys, we are back with Trivia Night at the Waterfront, June 29th. Mark your calendars, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., Remember that teams have to be six or smaller. It's fair. It's what we need to do. Please don't don't come for us. Don't DM us that you're upset about it. You guys came for us when the teams did not have a cap size, so we listened. <laughs> yes, we listened, and we can't, you know, we can't win them all. We can't. We, you know, we, we try to do our best. So, yeah, bring friends. We'll try to, um, yeah, like, have some more prizes maybe. We'll get a little creative. It's always a good time, but just please show up. Please. <laughs> That's all we ask for you. Let's sit you know that we need you. Yeah, we need you more than ever at every time. Say no more. Oh, man. All right. Today's subject. What the hell are we discussing today, Claire? We're discussing the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. The timing is always impeccable with your episodes, I have to say. Thank you so much because, well, when I saw the trailer for the Elvis episode that is coming out, I believe like June 23rd or 4th? I think it's June 24th. June 24th and only in theaters. Baz Mm. Luhrmann is like, we are not doing streaming. I mean, it's tough to see a Baz Luhrmann film (laughs) not in theaters. I can't. um, I've never seen. No, I saw Gatsby in theaters. I did too. It's, It's very cinematic. Yes. And so when I saw the trailer, I was like, I have to do Elvis. We're going to go high as a kite. If anyone wants to come with us, you let us know. Yeah. We can make a Rammy night out of it. And we are going to do a recap of the movie as well. We will absolutely do that. Yes. Tess, what do you know about Elvis? Honestly, my first um, reaction is on Real Housewives of New York when um, Kristen Takeman is obsessed with him. Oh, my God. She was obsessed with Elvis. Yes. And they have that Elvis impersonator come like into the woods I totally for her birthday. I forgot about that. Yeah. I always think about that because I've never seen anyone love Elvis more than her. She's crying. She's shaking. She seems like she's about to throw up. That is not unique. So many people have that reaction with Elvis. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, I know that like he was a heartthrob. He was truly mm. like a cultural phenomenon of like his sexiness. Oh, yeah. Um, and like, I know little chapel in Vegas. Oh yeah. But like, 
honestly, I really don't know much because both of my parents growing up did not like him. So interesting that you had that experience with your parents. Yeah. Because my mom was obsessed with Elvis. Yeah. She, so my grandma's whole side of the family is from Memphis. And so my mom lives in Memphis for a little bit. So I grew up loving Elvis and I went to Graceland. My mom, my mom's uncle lived in, or lived in Memphis and called her collect one time from Memphis and acted like he was Elvis and talked on the phone to her. I mean, like he really does a number on people. He does. My mom actually saw him live, which I forgot about. That is so crazy. Because I think Elvis, like we said with Selena, Selena, Elvis, they're in my top three of seeing live artists. Wow. Or or if they're dead, but live. What? (laughs) Elvis is dead? (laughs) Well, there's conspiracy theories that he's not really dead. There always are. There always are. But yeah, that's right. I know like maybe one of his songs, like... I can't help falling in love with you. I think you know more than you think you do. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Burn in love. Oh, okay. Yeah. He just was never on my radar as a child. Never really followed like followed his story. Well, I will say I was telling Tess because I loved Elvis's music so much. I think that this was one of my most disappointing researcher experiences. Mm-hmm. I still am such a fan of his music, but they say never meet your heroes. I mean, not that Elvis was ever a hero of mine, but... But you romanticized him, I'm sure. Yeah, and there's still... I think it can still be devastating, and I can still feel so much sympathy from him, but wow, there's some darkness in that man. Both sides can be true. That is... Especially with these celebrities that we love. It's (sighs) like, we we know that they're actually all probably really fucked up people. They really... And Elvis had so much darkness, so... Oh, I can't wait. Shall we get into it? Yes, we shall. So obviously, first, my citation. I um, there's a two part documentary on HBO called The Searcher. I believe came out in 2018. They have people like Tom Petty and Bruce Springsteen and Priscilla Presley and his close family and friends narrating it. And the part podcast, The Dark Side of Elvis mm. Presley. Well, yeah, there's always that. There, yeah, there should be. Yeah. So he was dubbed the king of rock and roll and is regarded as one of the most significant cultural icons of the 20th century. He is still considered the highest selling individual artist based on sales claims. Really? Yes. Which is uh, crazy. Wow. Amy wow. Lou Harris said he was snatched from the ordinary life of a young man into a place that no one else had ever been in society or in our culture. Which is so true that we're going to see from Elvis is that he was the first to do, he was the first superstar ever. And like, because he was a solo pop star. Because I keep being like, but the Beatles. And I'm like, but that they could all sort of like, you know, George, split the responsibility. Exactly. George Harrison said that he felt so bad for Elvis because he was all alone. And George Harrison had his three best friends with him. Wow. wow and Elvis so was even before the Beatles. That's true. So... Poor thing. Poor thing. So Elvis Aaron Presley was born on January 8th, 1935. Capricorn. Capricorn. Which is shocking. Shocking, but also... Well, Dolly Parton's also a Capricorn, so I think there's something to that hard work. Hard work, but like creativity as well, but like I maybe agree. different in like the way that they express it. Totally, totally. So Capricorn, born in Tupelo, Mississippi, to his father, Vernon Elvis, which is where you get the Elvis from. Oh. And Gladys Love. So what middle names they had? Wait, so what's his name? Elvis his El- name, no, his name is Vernon Elvis Presley. His oh, dad's name was, okay. his middle name was Elvis. I got it. I'm here. I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> so family name. Elvis was, I don't know if you originally, or if you knew this, he was originally a twin, but his twin was born, or was a stillborn that was born before him. 
Oh, God. Um, his name was supposed to be Jesse Vernon, and he was born first. Um, so Elvis would go on to be their only child. He was very close to both parents, but especially his mom. So she didn't resent him for the stillborn? No. That's I think good. she went in the direction of, I, you are my everything now because you're my only child from that. Oof, still tough. It's They doted on each other in a way that... They're, they, I've heard claims that they talked baby talk to each other in their adult lives. So, Oof. yeah, there's a lot going on there. Right, a lot to unpack. Yeah, a lot to unpack. So he grew up in, like, extreme poverty in Tupelo, Mississippi. He, uh, when he was three years old, his dad was arrested for forging checks, but it was literally just to put food on their table. <sighs> so he's supposed to go to prison for six years. He only ends up going for three months. But this is, at this time, like, Elvis's mom really has to, pull herself up by her bootstraps and take care of her family. And in like the thirties, how does a woman really do that? Yeah. Like what job can you even get? Exactly. So also after this, his dad, I think was really embarrassed by this and was in and out of their lives for a little bit. So his mom really had to step up to the plate. And I think Mm. Elvis really saw that and admired that as well. They move around to different boarding houses. It's the end of the great depression. So also he frequently, or he grew up frequently going to church with his parents and hearing gospel music. And this is where we really see music get instilled into Elvis. And at night he would slip into the black churches and he would listen to the gospel music and the sermons. And he just like absorbed everything that he saw. He would go to the front too and just start like singing and dancing from that. Oh, wow. Would they let him... In? Well, that's what I think it said that he snuck into there. I know he went up to the front of the white churches. I'm not sure. On the trailer of the movie, I, he, it, in the black church, it looks like he's in the front, but who knows with the movie, like right, how right. accurate that was. But yeah, I mean, we're in heavy segregation at yeah. this time. But apparently his mom was fine with him doing that as well. Um, for his 11th birthday, his parents scrape up enough money to buy him a guitar. They didn't have any money for music classes, so he never learned how to read or write music, and he learns everything by ear. Damn. I don't understand how people can do that. It's like a true genius. It, it, like music and guitar. Wild. Corey can do that on some things, but still, it's not always, but I can't imagine picking up a guitar and just be like, play that again and then do it. It's a different part of your brain. It's insane. Something that has not been activated in us. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I was first cl- chair clarinet and that's the extent of <laughs> yes, I mean, music same. ability. I'm so humble brag. <laughs> um, so they moved to Memphis in 1948 in search of more opportunity. It's a big city, completely different from Tupelo. And Memphis is a big area for music at the time, especially for the blues and especially for country music. So Elvis would go by himself to Beale Street downtown um, and he would just, he was captivated by the music there and he would go to the jazz and the blues clubs, which again is where a ton of black artists were playing at this time. Um, B.B. King recalled that he had known um, Elvis before he was popular, and they would both frequent Beale Street together. Oh, wow. So some crossover there. Always. Always. Um, In high school, he actually failed music class, which is like Michael Jordan not making the basketball team. I love stories like this. Me too. It makes me feel much better about where I am. Sweet revenge. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And apparently he was super shy in school. 
So much so that I think he was kind of the weird kid. He was bullied for being poor and a mama's boy. Ooh. Yikes. Um, he's so hot by this point? Well, that's what I thought. I was like, how could you bully someone that hot? <laughs> like, li- maybe they were jealous because they're that's like, true. you've never seen a face like that? Well, he performs one time in a, a talent show and all of a sudden people are like, oh, damn. Like, who is this gorgeous angel? Literally. And Elvis said he had never been so popular till after that. I bet. Yeah. So I think all of a sudden people were like, you're hot, you're talented. We love it. He said that this is his first validation from performing. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So he starts working as a truck driver for an electric company, and he's making $35 a week. And I didn't look up the conversion. God and I'm disappointed so in myself. But I can imagine it wasn't that great. But he said he always wanted to be able to get a job to take care of his mom so that she would never have to struggle again. Aww, sweet boy. Sweet boy. So in Memphis, there's this recording studio called Sun Records. Um, and Elvis always drove by Sun Records, but was never brave enough to go in. But he's like, oh, I just want to go in and make the music, man. And when he's 19 years old, he finally gets the courage and he goes in and records um, a record as a gift for his mom. I'm telling you, everything was for him. I mean, I'm just like, it's very sweet, but also it's a bit much. <laughs> it's it's very sweet, but it's a bit much. But, I mean, I guess that's all he has. It, it's true. Well, that's also the thing is like when they were growing up in Tupelo, the, it was so small. There wasn't anything to do. Yeah, like how they, do you make friends? You don't. There was like only your family. Yeah, no, it's, it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> so he asked the receptionist if there were any groups looking for a singer. And when she asked what kind of singer he was, Elvis responded, I don't sound like nobody. <laughs> Wow. She's like, that's very bad grammar, but (laughs) yeah, she's like, all right, but we'll take (laughs) you. But let's hear you. And after hearing the record, the receptionist wrote down next to his name, good ballad singer, hold. Oh. Mm -hmm. So the head of the studio, Sam Phillips, had often spoke about searching for a white man that could sound like a black musician. He said, if he could find a singer like that, he could make a billion dollars. So (laughs) as we know, Black music forms like jazz and blues were and are still immensely popular. But during this time, black musicians themselves were heavily discriminated against, especially in the South. Mm-hmm. Sam Phillips was like, this music is the best. How can I get it on white radio stations? Because white, like DJs wouldn't even play a black artist. Right. So we have to acknowledge that Elvis truly did get famous off of black music. His first album is literally just a cover pretty much of all songs that were already released by black artists. See, this I did not know until recently. Same. And I think that he's getting a lot of, um, what's it, criticism for that. And rightly so, because obviously Elvis is a talented, you cannot deny his talent. However, he got to where he was because he was a white man. Did he acknowledge that ever? Yes, he did. Well, I think that Elvis didn't know that what he was doing was wrong. I think that he was like, this is the music that I grew up listening to. Like, this is the music I love. So he saw it as like inspiration where a lot of people could see it as cultural appropriation or stealing. So I don't think he maliciously was like, I'm going to take this music and not not like it's an excuse, but like we do talk about context and history of right. what was available of, of knowledge. A hundred percent. And I think it is important to critique history. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. And it's probably not my place to blame or not blame right. him. Yeah, no, I agree. So that's what he was really looking for. And when he heard Elvis sing, he was like, that, that is it. So 
he um, gets Elvis back together. He puts a band together for him. They play for a few hours. It's just not going well. Elvis is super shy. He's super nervous and in his head. Finally, at the end of the night, he picks up his guitar and he just starts like going at it and starts moving around like crazy. And he sings the song, the 1946 blues number by Arthur Crudup, who is a black artist. That's all right. That's all right. Now, mama. You don't know it? I don't, I don't know it. I <laughs> you don't. don't. You would know it if you heard the song. I did not just You need to sing the full length. Oh, yeah. All right, everyone buckle up. Five, Here we go. Six, seven, eight. <laughs> well, that's all right, mama. That's all right for you. But it's in a, like it's such a good song, and they were just like, and then the band joins in together, and so everyone's just like riffing off each other. And Sam is like, "This is what I've been looking for all along." Community, community, <laughs> music. Hey Tess, what what do you love about music? To start, everything. <laughs> We'll do that every episode. Guys, if you don't know, that is from Almost Famous. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> we kept it a secret. We made it up. We made it up. Yeah. Also, great line. It's a great line. So, so okay. They get that, that song on a radio station in Memphis, and it's like the biggest radio station at the time, and everyone starts losing their minds. They're like, who the fuck is this? What the fuck is this song? They start calling the radio station like crazy. So much so that they have to go find Elvis and he's in a movie theater watching a movie and they're like, you got to get on an interview right now. It's literally fitting me of just eating popcorn. Like what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you called? It's so, it must be also so crazy that you're so nervous to record a record and all of a sudden everyone's like you. Yeah, he seems like an insecure man. He was just very shy, shy I think. yeah. So... It's a huge success. Sam's like, get in the studio. We're recording the other side of this record. What else do you know? And he plays his own version of a bluegrass song, Blue Moon of Kentucky. And he's forming kind of his own, like, his own take. It's like how Selena put her own take on things. It wasn't bluegrass. It was this other thing that we kind of know now is like rock and roll. Mm. Um, and in the documentary, they said that he was... Um, that this one record summed up his roots, the very best of both black blues and white bluegrass. Those were his inspirations. Got it. And he put those together. Yeah, like who did rock and roll before him? Black artist. They were already doing rock and roll, like Little Richard. Oh, okay. All of that. And that's on his first album. He does Ray Charles, Little Richard. Got it. I'm like, what is genre of music? No kidding. But also like, what is genre? I don't know. Why do we need it? Good question. Good question, Claire. It's, it's best when it's all mixed together, yeah, I would say. And not the truth. Yeah. So Emmy Lou Harris said, "There's there's no one who creates music in a vacuum. We're all influenced by what we've heard and what has come before. But occasionally, you have those crossroad moments where something new is born. Mm, gorgeous. And that's what was happening. So he starts touring and playing shows every single night because also." you had one radio station that like went out to one town back then. So the only way to get your name out there was to tour like that. Right. And that's where you get the money. The money, honey. Mm -hmm. So he becomes a regional star. He lands a spot on the show called the Louisiana Hayride Show. And it's a big deal because it hit a whole other demographic for him because it was broadcast to 198 radio stations in 28 states. So now other people can hear him as well. Wow. And when he's performing on that show... He is nervous, so he starts moving his knee, and then he starts moving his hip as just like a nervous tick and like feeling it with the music, and all of a sudden, girls just start screaming. So, like, I have never felt this <laughs> down in my underwear before. Jumping, beeping. <laughs> 
they felt a jumping beeping sensation if you will you know ladies you know you, ladies am i right <laughs> We all remember being 12 years old. Yeah, we sure do. And so they're seeing this for the first time. So Elvis, like in between songs, kind of went off to the side of the stage and he was like, what are they screaming about? And the manager is like, the way you move your hips, go do that again. So then he starts intentionally doing it and they just are like on the floor. (laughs) I mean, also like, it's just a crazy thing for like young women. You don't really have any release of like sexual curiosity or frustration. Nothing. And so like seeing someone live that's like truly like a hot man moving so their body. Hot. It must have been the first time they've ever seen anything like it. A sexual revolution. Like if you will. If you will. And I will. So also the way he performed, he would like grab the microphone and drag it across stage. He had this like wild captured animal look, he said. He would shake his head and his hair was down in his face. And he's just like, you were connected. How old is he at this time? He's like. 19, 20. Oh, wow. And he's just like, he said that like he couldn't sing without moving his body. Like that's the way he did it. <sighs> right. It is exciting to think about. It is, isn't it? It is a little bit. So <laughs> <laughs> in 1955, he's also noticed by music promoter, Colonel Tom Parker. Oh, Colonel. Again, with the word, with the word Colonel, check out our Charlie Manson episode. Full circle. It's fucking rude to spell it that way. The English language makes no sense. They, they, it really doesn't. And also, I don't think we can trust a Colonel. That is so true. Who's met one Colonel that they like? I, or love. Or love. <laughs> couldn't tell you. Not one. So Colonel Parker, Tom Parker, he claimed to be from West Virginia. He was actually born in the Netherlands under a completely different name that I can't even really pronounce. And he acquired an honorary colonel's commission from country singer turned Louisiana government governor, Jimmy Davis. So we just can't trust this man already because he's lying about who he is. Wow. But he's a huge music promoter at that time. He um, would like book different acts for different shows. And he saw the reaction that Elvis said, and he knew he wanted to work with him. Right. So he immediately starts booking him on tours. He books him on this his country tour with this artist, Hank Snow, as an opener. But then they start to see that people would leave before before Hank Snow even got on because they just wanted to come see Elvis play. Mm. So he was like, I want to be his guy. Um, And he was promoted to his special advisor. He convinces Elvis to leave his first manager and Sam at Sun Records who got his career started. He's like, they're never going to be able to take you national. I can make you a star. Wow. Um, And it's really tough for Elvis because Sam and Elvis really understood each other creatively. And this is like who got his start. This is the tales all his time, isn't it? It's so true. And it started with Elvis. Wow. So he even gets, the Colonel gets to Elvis's parents and tells them he wants to buy Elvis's management contract. And a big part of this is, I guess at this time, you're a minor until you're 21. So Elvis is 20. He's technically a minor. So he needs his parents to sign off on everything. Has his mom been like traveling with him this whole time? Yeah, I think. Well, I don't know if she was traveling with him the whole time, but they are still like constant contact. She's like, we share a bed. <laughs> Probably. Like actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you never know until you know. Soundboard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyone? <laughs> sorry guys we're still getting the hang of it we are we are but it's so exciting so um he was so his friend his lifelong friend said they were suspicious his parents were suspicious of everybody and they should have been suspicious of the colonel but he filled them with all sorts of hope so they said well okay <laughs> truly that's how i feel <laughs> just the whole 
That's how I feel with Colonel Parker the whole time. Uh, so he's like, if you trust me completely, I will make you the biggest star. And the first thing he does is get him, gets him a deal with RCA. So like he does show him that he can do big things for him. Uh, um, I think RCA is owned by Sony now. Oh. So he now has complete control over the world's biggest rising star. And I will just preface this with the way we're going to see this go. The best way I can describe Elvis and the Colonel's relationship is Stockholm Syndrome. Oh, shit. Yeah. So buckle up. Oh, no. Yep. So they get the RCA deal and they put out the first album. Like I said, most of Elvis's first recordings were just basically black covers from black singers um, or they were covers from black singers. There's Little Richard, Joe Turner, Ellie Mae, Big Mama Thornton was the original singer of his longest running number one hit, Hound Dog. Uh, I know that one. Yeah. See, another one. Okay. I know, you know a lot more than you think. It's, you coming, it's coming back. That's right. So El- the Colonel books Elvis on a super tight uh, tour that year, just like nonstop. And he also got him a seven year contract with Paramount Pictures. Jesus. So that was one of the things that Elvis really wanted to do was be an actor. Um, They always do, don't they? They always do. It's so interesting. He actually said, he was asked in an interview, he was like, would you rather do the movies or would you rather be a singer? And he was like, if I was a good actor, I would rather do film. I wonder why they always say that. Lady Gaga also says that. Guys, please, like, I'm just dying to book something (laughs) and I don't sing. So let the actors act. Make some room. Make some room for us. Lady Gaga, we've been competing with each other for roles for years. I know. I don't know why it's true. Yeah. (laughs) It's always up between the two of you. I know. It's really I don't know why it's so triggering to me. It is. Same. Same. But, um, so with the thing with the movies that he wanted to do movies without having to do soundtracks, but basically they were like, every movie you do, you have to make a whole soundtrack for the film as well. Because oh, he, he wanted just serious acting roles. He's like, I just want to do some Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's all. Did you guys enjoy our Shakespeare episode last L- week? Lamy episode. Lamy episode. There's more coming for you. So, and it's interesting also in an interview, this kind of just set, shows his personality in the beginning. The interviewer was like, they're saying you're, you'll be another James Dean. And Elvis said, I would never compare myself in any way to James Dean because James Dean was a genius in acting. Although I would like to, I would never compare myself to him. Sweetheart. So he, I think he was just truly like, didn't know how great he was at the beginning. Mm, that's what it sounds like. It's, anyways, I don't yeah. want to give too much away. Oh. Yeah. So his star was rising fast. There's obviously critics more conservative people said he was the conveyor of the devil's music, leading teenage girls into sexual temptation. Classic. Classic. Ministers and reverends said to keep him away from your children. When he asked about what he thinks about people saying these things, he's basically like, they have a right to think whatever they want, but I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. I'm just singing music. Well, that's mature response. It is true. And he's like, I don't see how rock and roll causes rebellion. Mm. Which is also true. Were black artists like, dude, what the fuck? I don't really know. I'm sure. I'm sure black artists from the beginning of time have been yeah. like, dude, what the fuck? Or like vocally, would any famous artist speak out? I like, haven't seen that. Got it. I, but I'm sure if I just did a little more research, I'm sure there's a ton of black artists who felt spiteful. Yeah, yeah. Rightly so, because their music's already out and this man is becoming the biggest superstar in the world. Right. It's like, hey, maybe we should get a little a percentage <laughs> yeah. of that. Which that is also, and I think that has changed a lot in the music industry. That would never fly these no, days. No, I mean, and music, the music industry is fucked up. It's so fucked Every up. Every episode we've done about a singer, like, I'm just disappointed it's, every time of like, who's protecting these people? No one. No one. So... Um, back to people thinking he's the devil. Mm, yeah. 
Um, also, Elvis said, you got to accept the bad with the criticism. You got to accept the bad along with the good. You got to um, expect that. I know I'm doing the best I can. I can. I've never turned down a reporter, never turned down a disc, disc jockey. Hello, because they're the people that um, help me make it in this business. As long as I know that I'm doing the best I can. He seems like a sweet angel. He does seem like a sweet angel he right now. Kind. He does. And I think that's he was kind. Time. And I think drugs can do a hell of a number on you. Oh, yeah. I forget that that's coming. That's coming, guys. Just heads up if you didn't know. So Ed Sullivan said that Elvis's performance were too risque for family. And Ed Sullivan is like the big guy, the big TV show at this time. Right. Super conservative, right? I think so. And also so funny that he said that his performance was too risque for families. And it's like cut to Miley Cyrus at the VMAs. You know, it's like (laughs) we have come such a long way. We really have. I saw something of Haley. What's her name? Haley Steinfeld. Uh Uh-huh. Um, when she sings that song about masturbating. Oh, love myself. Yes. I saw a TikTok of like, remember when she sang this at the Disney music (laughs) awards, all these like 11 year olds in the audience. Just like grinding. Like, I love myself. (laughs) So I'm just like, it's wild to think of this criticism now, but truly people thought he was the devil. Hips don't lie. No, they don't. Also with the girls going crazy, they would have to hire hire security for Elvis because the boyfriends of the teenage girls would try to attack him because they were so jealous. Oh my God. Don't bring your boyfriend to the show. (laughs) Do not, honey. Just like leave him home. Go out with the girls and see Elvis. Yes. Sometimes you got to leave them behind. You do. You do. But out Sullivan, Elvis was on his competitor show. So Elvis, so Ed Sullivan was like, oh, I guess he's not that risque and I'll bring him on. Um, he, that episode was watched by a record 80% of, t- of TV viewers. Everyone's like, if I could just <laughs> turn it on. <laughs> Watch it alone. Wow, so he's the first like male sex symbol. Yeah, I think. Of this. 100%. Time, maybe? I would say, maybe like James Dean a little bit, but he's the first to make it so nationally, I right. would feel. Um, Tom Petty said he often wonders if there had ever been a 24-year-old that had that kind of power hold that can mobilize millions of youth with the wave of his hand. And the hips. And the with the wave of his hips. Uh-huh. Now that's where it is. Wow. So by the end of 1956, the front page story um, in the Wall Street Journal reported that Presley merchandise had brought in $22 million on top of his record sales. And his singles accounted for 50% of RCA songs song sales. It is happening so fast. Merch is fascinating. History of merch? No kidding. Colonel Parker was obsessed with selling merch. I mean, how could you not? You, they make so much money. So from much it. money. We've, you know, like we've done, the, we've gone to a concert and spent $85 <laughs> on a t-shirt. Buy a right answer is mostly merch. DM us. They're all sold out, but yeah. um, we'll make some more. Exactly. So his life is just insane. He's touring. He's filming movies. He's on TV shows. No one's ever covered space like that before. Also being movies, TV and radio. Mm. Um, His mom was very worried about him and he already needed an escape. So the 22 year old Presley purchased an 18 room mansion, Graceland in 1957 in Memphis, Tennessee for the amount of $102,500. Uh, and that is over a million now when I checked it. Calculator. Calculator, which is also crazy. You would never be able to buy an 18-room mansion for a million dollars now. Li- literally. Um, it was supposed to be a safe haven for his parents and himself. And he always wanted to take care of his mom. And now he just bought them basically a mansion. And he had his dad retire at this time because he and like kind of work for him. Oh, oh. Which he also, we see in this time, he starts 
paying his friends to be around him and paying his dad. And that gets really tricky because when you pay people, it's really hard for them to say no to you. It's like all these pop stars even now, it's like their hairstylist is their best friend. Exactly. It gets, the lines are blurred. The lines are blurred and that's not a safe place for someone to be. And also- for both parties. Exactly. And the Colonel is really wanting Elvis to um, isolate Elvis so that he has more control over what he does. And I think he kind of makes him paranoid of being like, you're the biggest pop star in the world. Everyone just wants something for you, but just listen to me. We've seen it with Selena. We've seen it with Whitney. Exactly. It's, and we'll see it again. Truly. Um, so also in January 1957, he turned 22. He received a military draft notice. The Full draft circle. is coming for you guys. The draft is coming. It's a Lamy episode. episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so he um, had to serve in the army for two years. So the biggest star in the world all of a sudden now has to go into the army. Imagine if you were like his bunk mate. They said (laughs) fellow soldiers have attested to Presley's wish to have been seen as an able, ordinary soldier, despite his fame and to his generosity. He donated his army pay to charity, purchased TVs for sets for the base and even bought an extra set of fatigues for everyone in his outfit. I don't know what fatigues are, but I'm turned on. Yes. Yes. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just so sad to like tear down hope later, but yes. I don't want to think about it I know. yet. I'm still on we'll a high. We'll live in this glow. We'll live in this wow. glow. So do you think that's what really fucked him up? We're getting to what fucked him up, I think too. But so the, um, the, the colonel was like, go serve your two years. Do not take any favors. You are going to be so normal and we are going to show everyone, we're going to get the conservative audience back on your side because you're going to go be in the military and not take any special treatment. And also while you're um, deployed, I'm going to sporadically release songs so that people still hear you, but do not perform over there. Um, Why? Because the colonel wasn't telling anyone that he wasn't a U.S. citizen. So the colonel was afraid that if Elvis ever performed over there and he never let Elvis tour out of the United States because if the colonel had to go overseas, he couldn't come back. Holy shit. Yeah. But Elvis didn't know that at that time. Elvis, it probably would have been really good for him to be writing. He never really wrote music, but performing music and being able to record over there. Did the colonel have an American accent? He had a weird accent. And Tom Hanks is playing the colonel. He got COVID while filming the movie. And we all, thought, we all thought that it was the end for all of us when Tom Hanks got COVID. That was some sick shit from the universe. It really it? was. It really was. So he was like, go over there, be normal. But it was all a manipulation. Again, like Elvis probably didn't have to go over there. Right. But it was the colonel's tactic. How did he not die? Well, he was, it was actually non-war time. So this was a peacetime draft. Oh, I was like, he's just I like know, in the... But he still had a train and stuff like that. Oh, so damn. it's also at this point, he goes to Arkansas actually, and then mm-hmm. Texas. And it's at this point that he gets word that his mother is very, very sick. Oh no. He goes to visit her and it's his last time. And she dies at 46 years old from hepatitis. <gasps> Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, no. So it's going to destroy him. This is what his friends, he can only take a week off and then he has to go to Germany from there. And this is when his friends said it was all fun up until this point And this is where things start to change. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that I think was the biggest blow of his entire life. That's so young. I mean, so young. Mm-hmm. He's like 22. He's like, well, I think he's like 24 at this time. <sighs> and 46 is so young for her to die. Um, okay, so this is also when he goes to Germany, Elvis is introduced to amphetamines. 
by a sergeant because he's working hard. He's staying up late. And the sergeant's like, these little pills will make you feel amazing. They will also curb your appetite. This is like speed. Um, it was, I forgot what it's called, but it's an amphetamine. Basically, yeah, it's probably like a speed like pill. Got it. A little methy. Yes. It, a little methy. Exactly. Um, yeah. So not only for energy, but for strength and weight loss, Elvis already is starting to have some body issues kind of. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm remembering he got very thin. Yeah. Well, he was like, looked like pretty normal, but he did gain a significant amount of weight later in his life. Mm. Um, So he's emotionally not well. He's starting to have mood swings. His um, quick rise to the top is making him paranoid about other people um, taking advantage of him. And then the colonel, you know, also wanted to keep him isolated from everyone. Um, But his father actually and his friends fly out. And this is, again, where Elvis is paying them to, like, kind of stay around. Um, And I think this is probably one of the darkest parts of our story. At this time, in 1959, while in Germany, Elvis met a 14-year-old Priscilla um, Boulier. Her dad was stationed in um, Germany for the Air Force. So Elvis is obviously also right now, he's getting tons of ladies, like left and right. He's, you know, he's the biggest superstar in the world. So he can sleep with whoever he wants. Mm. So I think they would just go pick up girls everywhere. So this guy comes up to her in a cafe and he was like, do you want to meet Elvis Presley? And she was like, are you joking? And he's like, no. She said, well, I have to talk to my parents first. I'm like, guys, red flag, red flag. He's 24 at this time. Yeah. And and she's 14. She's 14. If she says that she has to ask her parents, she's too young for you. It is pedophilia. It's pedophilia. You, there's no denying that. That's what it is. A hundred percent. She convinces her parents to let her go meet him or to let them, whatever. Yeah. So she goes to his house. He starts playing the piano. He was shocked because she was younger than he thought, but apparently not that shocked because they end up hanging out again. She, Priscilla has insisted that they never had sex. But that's what they're always going to say. That's what, well, also Priscilla said that Elvis, one time they went into his room and she said they just talked and Elvis, she said Elvis insisted on not having sex with her because of her age and that she should stay pure, which is also so icky. That's so icky. And even if they didn't have sex, Lord knows that. They were probably doing other things to like make I up I think for that it. they were. It's like one of those things that's like if you do everything but you're yeah. a virgin. He's like, you can just give me blowjobs. A hundred percent. And so it's gross. so gross. And also like I've heard, I've seen some people be like, well, it's a different time. And I'm like, 14 has always been 14. Yeah, that's when we can't. I know we do talk about like different it was time. a different time. That is something that's very black and white. It's never been okay. And it's like. Sorry, I'm getting adjusted. Like the fact that her parents let her go by herself to hang out with these grown men. But this happens. We've seen this all the time. But when there's a celebrity involved, these parents are like, it's fine. And maybe they can help. He can help us. We still see it today. Oh, we see it constantly. Yep. So they end up hanging out a lot. And obviously, Mm. I think he starts grooming her from the beginning, of course. You know? I didn't know she was this young. 14. I thought it was like 17, which, which is, is still, still young, but 14 is wild, mm. icky. So um, he returns to America finally after two years. Um, he, um, March 1960, it, is there's actually a video of her. She was at the um, airport with her family to see him off to go back to America. You're like, to see her, she looks so young. Uh. Yucky. 
So two weeks after returning, he's already in the studio recording and he knows that times have changed while he's gone. The music, we're in the 60s now. The music's already different. Mm, Damn, he's like, I've been gone a long time. Yeah, no kidding. And like not being able to record any music. Wow. Um, After the Ed Sullivan show, the Colonel was like, no more TV because you're doing music and concerts. And if you do TV, we can't make money from it. So you're not allowed to do TV again. He's like, but I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Like literally, and the colonel's like, shut up, always. But he's like, now actually, let's get you back on TV and get you in front of people again. So he does like a little thing. I think, I don't know if you watched the video that I sent last night with the Frank Sinatra show. I sure did watch it. It is so sexual. He's still looking mighty fine. I know he's on a bunch of meth, but like. But he's looking so hot. And this is like bridging communities because. Um, Frank Sinatra was like the king of the 40s. And so, and they, Frank Sinatra thought that Elvis also was doing the devil's music. It's always, I mean, the devil's always, it's always there, right? <laughs> it's very convenient to blame it on the devil. Always. Um, so, but this is like, now people are like, he's actually a cultural icon because these two are singing together. Who else like right now in the 60s is coming up being like, that's the, like. The, the Beatles are oh. starting to come up. The oh, Beatles, yeah. the Beach Boys, Bob Dylan. Right. But this is still pretty early 60s. But yeah, but that that's where the music is going right now. Got it. That's so fascinating. So fascinating. The of like what's in. The music. Mm-hmm. Also, the Colonel secured an unheard of $125,000 fee for eight minutes of singing with Frank Sinatra, which is the equivalent to like over a million now. Oh, so he's like, hey, I was gone two years and it doesn't make a fucking difference. It doesn't make a difference. I'm richer than ever. So Elvis is back. His album comes out. It's a hit. He starts feeling confident. Um, 1961, RCA Victor uh, presented him with a plaque certifying worldwide sales of over 75 million records. Wild. This is crazy to like have to go buy a record and 75 million people did that. Is he like, is he still dressing in his sort of iconic... Like the white suit? Yeah. We haven't even got there oh, yet. Oh, we haven't gotten there. So he's just like in suits that were okay, got at it. the time. So he's still just like, he's minimalist. He's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got it. So Tom Parker has now pushed um, Elvis into hev- a heavy filmmaking schedule focused on formulaic, modest, uh, modestly budgeted musical comedies. So what this means is that Elvis really wanted to pursue higher acting roles um, that didn't involve music again. Poor baby. Yeah, he like really wanted like real work. And he comes out with two movies, one in 1960 and one in 1961, that didn't make a lot of money. But then you did these like cheesy movies with the music and it made so much money. And so the colonel was like, see, you don't make any money when you want to do the roles you want to do. So listen to me and just make these cheesy ass films. Uh, it's like what the Beatles did too with, with their movies. Like so kitschy. It was so but kitschy. But that's what the people want. Like they couldn't differentiate, I feel like at that time. No, and but it's just sad because he is like starting to lose any crea- creative. Um, he just hates it. He hates it. Was he writing all of his own music? He wasn't. He actually wasn't interested in writing his own music. And this is also something that becomes a problem for him because the Beatles and Bob Dylan and the Beach Boys were all writing their own songs. So they had more control over their... <laughs> Their career, whereas Elvis wasn't writing his own music, so people could kind of tell him whatever to do, whatever he, they wanted him to do. Oh, so he's like, I get nothing out of this besides probably performing. Exactly, but he loved that though. Yeah, and it, songs that meant something to him, whereas these movie songs were like really dumb. And like you, 
you did get some like good songs from the movies like um, Viva Las Vegas was a big one. Mm. I Can't Help Falling in Love. It mm. was from a movie, but it's not, he's like not doing what he, it, there's no creative fulfillment. Oh, if you want to act, you want to act. It's true. That's true. So also in 1962, the now 17-year-old Priscilla flies to visit Elvis. Her parents allowed her to go on one condition, that Elvis pay for a first-class round trip and arrange for her to be chaperoned at all times and well, that no she write home every day. If he didn't pay for first class. <laughs> yeah. No kidding, but I'm also like... What weird conditions, though? That's what I'm saying. I'm like, that's fucking weird that you're like, we'll let you go if you pay first class for her. Weird parents, huh? Very weird parents. So, obviously, they were supposed to be chaperones. They end up having letters sent out to them, but they go to Vegas and they're like totally pulling the wool over her parents' eyes. And it was during this visit that Priscilla first took amphetamines and sleeping pills to keep up with Elvis's lifestyle. So he introduces her to drugs. At 17. At 17 years old. And this is where he's like, you should dye your hair black like mine. You should wear more makeup. Did she not have black hair before? No. She dyed her hair black. Like her big hair... I think was modeled after his big hair. Also Stockholm syndrome you know? Yes. Well, she's so young and this is the biggest superstar in the world. How could you not? How could you not? So of course she's like, I'm in love with this man and I'm going to do whatever this man tells me to do. <sighs> after another visit at Christmas, Priscilla's parents finally let her move to Memphis for good in March, 1963. Part of the agreement was that she would attend an all girls Catholic school and live with Elvis's father and his stepmother in a separate house a few streets away until she graduated high school. Part of the agreement also was that they would eventually marry. And the, she ended up just moving into Graceland with Elvis because her parents aren't there. They're not going to know. Also, Elvis's father remarried. He did. Mm-hmm. He did. I didn't see any big thing about that, but I guess well, hey, he did. He could move on. Move on a little bit. But also, like, I would not want to live with this man's parents. No, it's weird. It's like she's like his little sister. It's gross. It's gross no matter which way you put it. So <sighs> also, um, Elvis. So Priscilla wanted to go to Hollywood with Elvis and, f- like, watch him film the movies. But Elvis kept telling her he was too busy and had to st- she needed to stay in Memphis. During the filming of Viva Las Vegas, Elvis began having an affair with his co-star Anne Margaret. When Priscilla read of those reports in the press, she confronted Elvis. He told her that they were simply rumors to promote the film and that she would not believe and that she shouldn't believe everything she reads in the press. (laughs) For the next few years, Elvis had intimate relationships with many of his leading ladies and co-stars, all while denying their existence to Priscilla. What? Yeah. So he's cheating on her left and right and gaslighting her and being like, you're crazy for thinking that. Elvis, God, I've, it's really, it's a fall from grace. You it's could such say. a fall from grace already. From Graceland. Wow. And there it is, Jess. And there it is. It's just so sad. And she's just this young girl who also is only surrounded by his friends. Uh, do you think like his mother's death is like maybe a reason why he's like latching on to all these women and something yes. with the affairs? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I'll get, I'll say something later that is troubling and it's definitely mommy issues too. Oh God. But, but I'll save it. Okay. Um, also he is, um, 
Let's see, where did I go? Okay, so he starts, um, so Elvis stops performing live for a long time because the colonel knows, again, that the films get Elvis millions of, um, gets Elvis in front of millions of people simultaneously. It's always hard. (laughs) At the same time, with (laughs) as little work as possible. So these post-army films, again, he's just chugging them out as fast as he possibly can. The colonel's negotiating contract after contract. Everybody wants every penny they could get out of Elvis. He had to make three movies a year, and each movie had to have a full soundtrack album for him. So it's killing his actual music career of making the songs he wants to make because he doesn't have time because he has to make these movies. Uh, and these movie ones. And he's also taking more and more pills to keep up with the schedules. And the pills made him irritable. And he also doesn't have anyone around him to be like, you need to chill. Yeah. Because they're all being paid by him. And if anyone was like, hey, maybe don't do that, he would freak out on them. Was he drinking too? I, you know, I don't know. I've seen different things of people saying that he had alcoholism in his family. So he was very weary of that in the beginning, but I'm sure that he was as well. But tons of pills, pills to go up and then pills to go down. So the colonel also later said he was like, you get some songs like Viva Las Vegas and Bossa Nova from these movies, but they're a bunch of corny ass movies, nowhere for his music career. He knows the music sucks. And he's like, it's not even the acting roles that I want. I don't want to do this anymore. And the colonel later said, I only made the connection. He never had to do it. But if Elvis said no, the colonel would say fucked up shit like your mom didn't work this hard for you to get here and quit this colonel is really he's disgusting killing everything he is killing elvis yeah so he's (laughs) i was like we don't even have to do the staffing anymore we can just use the soundboard we're growing up we're growing up we are we are so he tries to maintain control of elvis by limiting opportunities that were presented to him as well he's like you just do these things that make us money Um, and he, let's see. So Elvis also never had script approvals, which is crazy. He was just like, you're doing this movie and he's such a big star. Like that, again, that would never happen today. Um, well, I, I mean, I'm sure it happens more than I think, but, um, Okay, so in the documentary, they say the great irony is that Elvis was um, a significant force in the launch of rock and roll. The very revolution that he sparked was moving on without him. There's a renaissance um, that is on its way, and he is in a bubble in Hollywood as it passes by. He didn't even want to listen to music at this time as the Beatles and Bob Dylan and the Beach Boys were playing because he was like, I can't even make that right now. That's so sad. It's so sad. When is Johnny Cash in the picture? Johnny Cash is in the picture at the same time as Elvis. They actually, Johnny Cash was at Sun Records as well. Okay, because I'm remembering Walk the Line of when it shows Elvis first, right? Yes, so that scene, oh, I went to Sun Records one time. Look at you. I I love Memphis. And um, they said that that scene was made up. That they actually, he actually saw Elvis for the first time in a parade. But one time Elvis popped in the Sun Records, Jerry Lee Lewis, who was also gross and married his like 13 year old cousin. Guys, <laughs> guys, please. gotta stop. Johnny Cash, someone else, and Elvis all were in there together and sang a song together. Uh, so they knew each other as well. Got it. Okay. A lot starts happening in 1967, 1968 for Elvis. Elvis and Priscilla get married on May 1st, 1967 at the Aladdin Hotel in Las Vegas. She's 22. He's 32 at this time. Right. That is a big age difference. 22 and 32 is very different. 
Yeah. Yeah. So allegedly he was pressured by the colonel to get married because the RCA moral uh, morale clause or moral clause and um, yeah, moral clause. And her dad, Priscilla's dad, threatened to have Elvis charged under the Man Act for taking a minor across state lines for sexual purposes if he didn't marry her. And apparently Elvis was also getting pressured by his dad and Priscilla. Obviously, Priscilla was like, please, let's get married. That That's not crazy to me. But he didn't love her. He, I think he loved her, but he loved the bachelor life more. And I don't think he wanted to necessarily marry her. Yeah. According to his longtime cook, she caught Elvis crying alone one night about the wedding, wedding, the wedding and asked him why he didn't just cancel it. And he said, I can't. He was trapped. He, he was, was trapped. trapped. He was trapped. And I feel so bad for Priscilla. And she was trapped in a way too. She of definitely like, was trapped. How is she going to get out of marrying the biggest? And she thinks that she loves this man. Yeah. And I think later on they did. I think Priscilla will always have love for him because they also went through trauma together. Right. But it's a different type of love. Yeah. It's a different type of love completely. So the wedding was arranged by the colonel to maximize publicity. It featured very few guests and was over, it was over in only eight minutes, which that sounds great. So this is like the chapel, right? I or no? must be. I mean, it's at the Aladdin hotel okay. in Vegas. Yeah. Um, it was followed by a quick press conference and a $10,000 breakfast reception attended by friends, family, and business associates from MGM, RCA, and WME. What kind of food did they have? $10,000. For a small little wedding party? So I'm like, apparently Elvis was like very into the heavy food and wanted the heavy food around a lot too. So $10,000 breakfast it was. Got it. Some rich cheeses. Yeah. It <laughs> loves the cheese, loves the meat. <laughs> <laughs> so the wedding actually caused rifts between Elvis and several of his closest friends who were not invited to actual wedding ceremony. Elvis actually personally invited all of his close friends. They got there. They were all dressed up, and the colonel was like, "You can't come in here." He's starting to like really bought. Like he's really starting to the piss colonel. Me off. Yes, uh, he's the worst. He's the worst. But it's also like if I were Elvis's friends, I would be like, "Fucking stick up for me." Yeah, like, like it's really sad. Yeah, you can't understand. He has more power. But yeah, de- but he does. He really. I think if Elvis could have just realized that, like, he has the power. Yeah, but he didn't. It's Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. So that causes a rift. Their daughter, Lisa Marie, was born exactly nine months after their wedding. They were ready. Oh, damn. They maybe wasted, that night? I'm sure. I'm sure. They no, wasted no, no time. No more pulling and praying. No, no kidding. Um, so this is where I'm like, this is tough. He had mentioned to Priscilla before they were married that he had never been able to make love to a woman who had a child and he didn't have sex with her for quite some time after their daughter was born. And a lot of people have said that is mommy issues and that's where that comes from. Whoa. And that is so dark. And Priscilla has had, she has said that that messed with her sexuality for so long. Also by 1968, Elvis was kind of considered a joke by a lot of people because he was doing so much of those movies that were not producing good music and he was trapped in that. He hadn't come out with his own thing in a really long time. And was he not hot anymore? He was actually pretty good looking still. Okay. Because I do feel like the second that the looks go, people then completely turn against that. 100%. However, he was getting older and that was a big fear for him as well. And that messed with his psychology. Mm, Probably Um, because of his mom too. Maybe, maybe. Um, So he, so Elvis is like, how do I make a comeback and perform again? 
I that he just wanted to perform for people because he hadn't also done that in so long because he'd just been filming movies. Right. So these guys come together and they're like, let's make a TV special and erase the past seven years of all those shitty music movie soundtracks that you did. And this is make or break for Elvis because it's either people are going to be like, this is the old Elvis again, or he's washed up and he's gone. So it's like a kind of like a variety show that they do. And he's like an all black leather. He's like a red bandana, I think. Oh, I've seen this. Yes. And they're like playing on stage sometimes. They're just like jamming out. These friends are jamming out together. So um, he he almost backs out like right before they're supposed to film. And to the director, he's like, I can't do this anymore. And I guess the director was like, I've never asked anything of you, but I'm asking you now, please go out there and do it. And he does. And... It totally, I think, changes him again. And he's like, I think he forgot how good he was Mm. until he went out there and performed. It's also the first time Lisa Marie, or sorry, Priscilla had ever seen him perform live, which is crazy because they've known each other for so long. She never went to the... He never had a concert in like seven years, which is crazy. Did she like it? I think she did. I think she, no, she did. She said that she saw it and was like, this is what it, it's been about the whole time. Like, I get it now why people are so enamored by him. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also in 1967 that Martin Luther King was assassinated. Um, they said that when he was on the MGM lot, when he found out and he just hung his head and said he always told the truth. And it was also in 1968 that Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. So they were the hope to bring everyone together. And Elvis knew that they said um, that when El- or when Bobby Kennedy was assassinated, he picked up his guitar and started talking a mile a minute and said, I want you to understand me because um, this is a time we all have to understand each other. And so he wanted to close the 1968 comeback show with the song, If I Can Dream, which was written from the I have uh, as inspiration from the I have a dream speech. The colonel did not want him to sing this song. He was basically like, we cannot speak on these things. Oh my God. And Elvis and the director were like, fuck you. Good. We're singing this song. Thank God. Yeah. So he is like starting to make some statements was, in that way. Was he considered like kind of like a liberal, like outspoken celebrity? I don't think he was outspoken, but I think that he, I mean, I would say maybe more so because even with the rock and roll stuff, he's like, I'm not making anyone do anything and people should feel how they want to feel. Right. Right. You know, again, it's like a different time. It's complicated. Exactly. So I don't think he was necessarily, necessarily like a civil rights icon. Right. But I think that he did take some steps. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So it was NBC's highest rated show that, and that season and everyone's like, he's back. He himself was realizing for the first time in years how good he was. Priscilla said he came alive again, which just makes me wonder what he must have been like before that. If for her to say like he came alive again, almost in a way. She's like, the man won't even touch me. No kidding. I won't even look at her. Exactly. Cheating on her left and right. 100%. So he goes back to his Memphis roots for another album and he starts making music again that he loves. Like Suspicious Minds. You know the song. We can't go on together. With going. suspicious minds. I'm cutting that part out. No, you're not, Chris. Don't. So, you know, suspicious minds. It's in the trailer, I think. It's one of my favorite songs of oh, his. Okay. And he's still not writing any of this. 
No, he has. Um, I'm shocked by that. Like, he didn't he wasn't interested in it? They said I'm he just, just wanted to perform. I never. I thought that he. I guess so many artists don't. But. I, and I think it's kind of a new thing of being like, you're not an artist unless you write your own music. What do you think about that? I think that if you have an amazing voice, I think it's more interesting if you write your own songs. But I also think that it's just as moving for someone with an incredible voice to like actors don't have to write their own scripts. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. So I don't, it doesn't make or break. I do think it's more incredible when people do write their own music, though. Totally. But that's just my two cents on yeah, that. No, I love it. So from the TV special, everyone wants Elvis performing live again. And who's the biggest spender? Vegas. Uh, always. Always. So Vegas, they create a residency for him. Um, and he kind of like gets to, well, also it's announced that he's scheduled to perform 57 shows in four weeks. Oh my God, the amount of pills he probably had in his pocket. Especially in Vegas, he would sleep all day, perform two shows at night, and then just stay up for the rest of the night. And it's Vegas. Like you're partying and he's also isolated. He doesn't have any real friends right now. Oh God, it's so sad. It's so sad. So, but also at this time, he kind of had more creative control. He was like, I have to have the group, the sweet inspirations for vocals, which included... Sissy Houston. Full circle. Check out our Whitney Houston episode. Yeah, so Whitney Houston's mom was his backup singer. Crazy. And she said they really connected because they were both raised on gospel, so they both really felt the music. Mm. Um, they okay. they create a new stage look for Elvis, inspired by Elvis's passion for karate. <laughs> so oh, God. <laughs> it makes so much sense now. So that white jumpsuit is inspired by his passion for karate. He loves karate? He loves karate. Yeah. There's some darkness there. I don't know why, but there <laughs> is. Like, there's too much. So the audience of opening night included 2,200 people that gave him a standing ovation before he even sang a note. Um, at the press conference at the show, when a journalist referred to him as the king, Presley gestured towards Fat Domino, who is a performer, um, when he was uh, t taking in the scene. So I guess Fat, Fat's Domino was just hanging around. And he's like, no, that's the real king of rock and roll. So again, like at least he's giving credit to a black artist now yes. as well. Thank God you came around. You came around. I mean, it still fucking sucks that you got famous off of yes. their hard work, but. It's a little too late, honey. Yeah, exactly. So he was also a nervous wreck performing these shows though. And we know again, like what we said, what Vegas entails. So the colonel goes back into money-making mindset and books him show after show and starts putting him on tours, playing over 100 shows per year. Like, it was like 168 per shows every year. How do you, like, literally, how do you live like that? You can't, it, pills. That's, like, literally the yeah. only way. Um, so, but people were literally, like, he's so incredible right now. And this is also where he has the big capes, like with the Eagles on it. And so people are like, he is rock and roll still. We still love him. They're getting kitschy. Exactly. They're getting dramatic. They are. They are. And women are still like old. They're older now because they grew up with him, are still like falling on the floor, screaming and crying when they see him. Hey, if you got it, you got it. You got it. So he's also, again, dying to play other countries and tour. But the colonel is like, no, you don't need to do that because he can't tour. <laughs> He still is very scared. <laughs> yeah. Just come clean. It'd be so much easier for your career too. It wouldn't it, but he doesn't. So instead he comes up with this idea 
where he um, does something that's never been done before and creates the first ever live concert um, simulcast so that people in every country could watch from satellite. This is the first time that happened? I believe so. Whoa. And he he performed in Hawaii. Elvis is huge in Hawaii. Uh, If you've ever watched Lilo and Stitch, you know. Oh, yeah. I know. I know, because he did that movie, Blue Hawaii, Blues Hawaii. Oh, my God, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. And he performed um, in Pearl Harbor as well, uh, or at Pearl Harbor. And so he, the colonel's like, you don't need to tour all over the world. We'll just have all of the world come to you and see you. Yeah. Also, apparently at this time, before this time, he starts gaining weight. Elvis... Um, was a heavy binge eater and had a lot of insecurity with his body. And obviously eating disorders are an addiction as well. And like, and addictions are all always just symptoms of something that's deeper that's going on. Right. But for the show, he really trimmed up. So people are like, oh damn, look at Elvis. And people all over the world watched him. Um, but they again, people are saying like the colonel is just keeping Elvis from his full potential by not letting him tour. Um, clearly, this also means that he's never seeing Priscilla or Lisa Marie, his daughter. I'm sure he's cheating on her left and right. And so the Presley separated on February 23rd, 1972 after this is why they separated. Priscilla disclosed her relationship with Mike Stone. So she said that she was cheating on him. And then Elvis is like, we're done. This, I mean, we've seen this a thousand times. A thousand times. The second that the woman is like, well, for the past 10 years, you've been doing it to me. And they're like, oh my God, how dare you? Mike Stone was a karate instructor that Elvis had recommended to Priscilla. Well, guys, there's other things to do besides karate. Yeah. So, yeah. She, I mean, no, no shame to whoever loves karate. It is just like, so interesting. She, she can have other hobbies that he, you know, like. Well, she she likes the karate. Oh, I bet she a did. Lot. And so, but Elvis was furious. Um, Priscilla has said it's so interesting because in the 80s, she came out and said a lot of shit about Elvis that was really damaging to him. Like he was abusive. Well, she said after she told him that she um, was cheating on him, he forcefully made love to her and said, this is how a man makes love to a woman. And she has now retracted that statement and said that she was over, she, basically she said she was being dramatic. That was probably someone on his team or family being like, you have to take that back. Priscilla and Lisa Marie are also the inheritors of his estate. Why would she make that up? Exactly. Why would she ever say, why would she ever make that up? And so it's interesting when I see the way she talks about him now, it's so fond, it's so fondly. And I'm sure she's had to deal with the trauma of all of this. And she's had to go through her journey with that too. But she even says though, that when they were getting divorced in court, they held hands I think it's something, I also think that kind of relationship is something I will never understand because I've never been in the position of either of those two people. Right. And also like, I mean, it does sound toxic and there's those highs and lows. And it's unacceptable completely. No, yeah, it shouldn't happen. But I'm sure, yeah, like when they were getting divorced, they probably felt elated and they were like, now we really can like respect each other. And that they were like, we know each other in a way that the rest of the world won't. But it's so sad. It is very sad. Riley Keough. 
is how you say her last yeah, name. Yeah. Said. She is Elvis's granddaughter. She's a phenomenal actor. Yeah, she's really good. She's so good. She was interviewed recently and she said that she cried the first five minutes of the movie and has cried the rest of the movie and needs to watch it again. And she said that this is like watching her generational trauma and her family begin. Yeah, because it has not been good. It has not. So, okay. They break up. Um uh, da, 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 da. Five months later, Presley has a new girlfriend, Linda Thompson, a singer-songwriter, one-time Memphis beauty queen, moved in with him. Check out her Chris Jenner episode. We talked about that. Linda Thompson is the ex-wife of Caitlyn Jenner. It is just so wild. It's so wild. Also, Priscilla Presley dated Robert Kardashian. It's crazy. Oh, Hollywood, man. Hollywood. So the divorce was finalized on October 9th, 1973. Priscilla said, yeah, again, they held hands in court. By then, his health was in a serious decline. According to Joe Mescio of the Imperials, the failure of the press of Presley's marriage was a blow from which he never recovered. Well, boo-hoo. I know. You were the one that like was- Exactly. I don't I, feel bad about that at all. I see that. And people were like, he lost his mom and now he lost his wife. And it's like, he didn't do anything to try to keep his wife. But this is what this is what we're seeing right now with the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing of like, but he's beloved. Exactly. And he's and lonely now. And you're excusing men's behavior for things that are so troubling- not into it. Not into it. So he is excessively binge eating. Twice during this year, he overdosed on barbiturates, spending three days in a coma in his hotel suite after the first incident. Towards the end of 1973, he was hospitalized semi-comatose from the effects of an opioid addiction. According to his primary care physician, Elvis felt that by getting drugs from a doctor, he wasn't the common everyday junkie. Um, getting something off the street. So he traveled around with his doctors that gave him every single drug that he wanted at any time he wanted. So scary. It's so scary. This culture of giving people whatever they want because they have power and money is so dangerous. Yeah, look what happens. Exactly. So he was also becoming even more paranoid. Um, and one night, a few crazed drunk fans stormed the stage. He karate kicked one of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i can't well thank god he knew yeah skills so he, and, yeah. yeah so once he calmed down they he thought that they were sent to get him by the guy that priscilla was having an affair with he puts out a hit and pays for a hit on that man and when he calms down he's like actually don't do that so he's starting to lose his mind uh. um at this time, he comes out with the song, um, like, Burning Love. You know that song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Priscilla said that was a such a hard song for him to sing because he was in such a different place than that song. Mm. He also comes out with the song called Separate Ways, and it's about him and Priscilla, and it's really sad and dark. Um, so since his 1968 comeback show, he had staged more live shows with each passing year. In 1973, saw a record 168 concerts. So he is busier than ever, but he is the most unwell he has ever been in yeah. his life. And you see him and you're just like, he's gained a significant amount of weight. He looks so much older than he is. And I was thinking, I was like, why, why is he just going along with all of it? But Bruce Springsteen said, an artist like Elvis, rather than pretending when he goes on stage, he's actually pretending when he's at home to be normal. And when he goes on stage at night, it's who he actually is. I also think that 
I think that he felt like himself when he was performing. I think he had that thing in his mind of being very poor when he grew up mm-hmm. and the sacrifices that his parents made for him. He's also finding his identity and being the superstar. It is sad. His keyboardist said he would show up in the limousine and fall to his knees because he couldn't even walk because he was so drugged up. His guitarist said he was all gut. He was slurring. He was so fucked up. It was obvious he was drugged. It was obvious there was something terribly wrong with his body. It was so bad. The words to the songs were barely intelligible. I remember crying. He could barely get through the introductions. And the colonel's just like, more, more, more. Damn. Um... His friends try to speak out about his drug use and he fires them as it's his bodyguards. And then they come out with a tell-all book revealing his drug use after that. Um, so print, uh, okay. So um, Presley and Linda Thompson split up in November, 1976. He takes up a new girlfriend, Ginger Alden, who was 20 years younger than him. Classic. He proposes to her and his friends are like, he had no intention of marrying her, but we just see a complete decline of this man. Um, throughout 1977, he succeeded himself or sorry, he secluded himself in his bedroom, only seeing his doctors and his girlfriend. Despite his health issues, he planned another tour. He was supposed to fly out of Memphis on August 16th, 1977. He wakes up at 4 PM on August 15th, which is the normal time for him to wake up. He would stay up all night and sleep till 4 PM. So dark. So dark. He spends time with his daughter and Ginger, his fiance. He goes to the dentist at 10.30 p.m. He returns to Graceland at midnight. At 2.30, p- or 2.30 a.m., he calls his doctors and gets six op- opioid pills for the pain. 4 a.m., he calls up two of his cousins and his, or he calls up his cousin and his wife to play racquetball. They come over. He's barely moving. 5 a.m., he goes up with Ginger and takes the first packet of his daily two-packet, um, Drugs. So he would have these packets of drugs that these doctors would give him, and he would take two packets of those a day. Um, each packet consisted of varying amounts of secanol, I think is how you say it. I think so. I don't know. Pl- plas- placidol. I don't know. They're, these are drugs. Um, val- valmidid, tenol, basically an assortment of other depressants and placebos and opioids and amphetamines. Oh, geez. 7 a.m., he takes the second packet. 8 a.m., he can't sleep, so he has a nurse give him a third packet. 9.30 a.m., Elvis heads for the bathroom. While on his way, Ginger calls out, don't fall asleep in there. Okay, I won't, are Elvis's last words. 1.30 p.m., Ginger wakes up to find that Elvis isn't in bed. She knocks on the bathroom door with no answer. She pushed open the door and discovered that Elvis was lying on the floor, his gold pajama bottoms around the bottom of his feet and his face buried in a pool of vomit. 2.56, he arrives at the hospital and 3.30 on August 16th, 1977, Elvis Presley is pronounced dead. So here's a little description of his, what actually happened in his body. So Elvis was sitting on the toilet, straining very hard to have a bowel movement, a maneuver that put a great amount of pressure on his heart and aorta. Thus, he likely died of a massive heart attack and keeled over onto the floor. Elvis's blood was found to contain very high levels of the opioids, Mm. um, which not only kill pain, but also cause savage constipation. Oh, jeez. As well as quaaludes, he um, abused and, and uh, 
histamines, antihistamines, tranquilizers such as Valium, barbiturates, quaaludes, sleeping pills, hormones, and laxatives for the constipation. They also found evidence of severe and chronic constipation, diabetes, glaucoma during their examination. The autopsy showed that Presley had an enlarged megacolon, so his colon was just so enlarged, that was horribly impacted with clay-like material from a barium x-ray procedure that Elvis had gone through four months earlier. So he drank that thing to make it show up in his x-ray and it was sitting in his body because he was so constipated for months because he was so constipated. It was still in his body. That is terrifying. Terrifying. So if that hadn't been in there... I mean, no, it wasn't no. that. It was just literally he had a, a terrible diet. Yeah, yeah. He was extremely addicted to drugs right. and his body finally just shut down. I mean, that's what's going to happen if you're just taking that many pills every day. Every single day. And just to have someone just shoving, giving you anything that you want. So yeah, on August 16, 1977, Elvis was pronounced dead. During his lifetime, Elvis won three Grammys, all for gospel albums, appeared in 31 films, recorded 784 songs, and performed 1,684 concerts. And I'll just wrap it up with this. Tom Petty said, we all owe him for going first into battle. He had no roadmap, and he forged a path of that to do and what not to do. It is sad. It's just sad because obviously he had a lot of darkness that's inexcusable, but I think it's just, I'm always just like, it is wild that he was the first of a superstar. Yeah. And he had no one to, he had to figure, he figured out all the wrong things to do in a hard way. Yeah. The note roadmap is very, (sighs) very powerful. Fame is a scary thing. Power is a scary thing. It is. And just no one that supported him really. He didn't have anyone. Uh. It is sad. And the people who wanted to be there for him, he wouldn't let because he is, you know, manipulated, manipulated and whatever. Uh, <laughs> just like, and that's Elvis. I know. It's all, it's always hard when we end episodes with, with a death. I'm so curious on how they're going to fit in the Priscilla stuff in the movie. Right. Like, will they acknowledge that it was pedophilia? They that there to. was um, really abusive stuff going on. Right. And that's why I'm like, I can acknowledge like, Elvis was so talented while also acknowledging that he did some really inexcusable things. Like always. Like always. So things can be true. It's so, I. Like most famous people in history, it is like this. Even people that were like, they're great. They've never faulted. No, they they really have. They did. I just walked around the house yesterday and I kept going, ugh. And Corey was like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm just so disappointed. I know. I know. I didn't know most. I've truly forgot that he about the addiction about Mm -hmm. his marriage I didn't know most of this and so I think I'm just processing it I know it it, it was just it was such a fast rise to fame and it was such a fast fall from grace too yeah truly that's yeah that sums it up perfectly yeah and I'm I'm actually really excited to see the movie though yes I let's go opening night I We'll be out of town. Damn so will it. you. Oh, right. So will I. <laughs> yeah. Let's go the week after. Yeah. But guys, n- have no fear. We will have a recap of this movie coming. Yes. We'll do a mini-sode. Yep. Let us know your thoughts about all of this. Let us know your favorite Elvis song. I will say Unchained Melody is phenomenal. Uh, I'm going to go listen on our on the drive back yep. listen to some Elvis. And, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. We're so dis- Humans just fuck. <laughs> just, just 
disappointing. By default, humans are disappointing. They are. And we have to just do a lot too. And we have to talk about it so that things can change. Yeah. And like you said at the beginning of the episode, like we talk about it so history doesn't repeat itself. Mm -hmm. There are things we can dissect that weren't okay, but I think it's just important to acknowledge that it wasn't and where we're moving. Yep. That's right. And how we're learning. That's right. And thank God for you, Rammies. We love you. Uh, we love you guys. As always, follow us on Instagram at Right Answers Mostly. DM us. Send us an email at Right, or just Right Answers Mostly at gmail.com. And we'll be back next week. We'll see you guys next Monday. Okay, love you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> My darling, I've hungered for your touch A long, lonely time Time goes by so slowly And time can do so much for you Still